This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, April 6th, 2022, on your public radio station, KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, pianos. Robert Ginsburg, host of Shades of Jazz, will talk with Joey Alexander, an 18-year-old who already has three Grammy nominations to his credit. And Michael McHale will be with us at the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway in the Furman Garner Performance Studio. Before we go to Furman Garner, let's discuss Points of Departure, a new podcast from KUAF in collaboration with Arkansas Global Changemakers about seeking solutions to global challenges. Here's an excerpt from the first episode. My name is Lawrence Hare. I'm Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And my name is Rogelio Garcia Contreras. I am a teaching assistant faculty at the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation Department of the Walton College of Business. And I'm Lee Wood, General Manager of KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. So I think the first question is, what is the Arkansas Global Changemakers? Yeah, so Arkansas Global Changemakers is a an educational and applied research initiative. It's an interdisciplinary collaboration of faculty and students across uh, the colleges of the University of Arkansas. And its goal is first to raise awareness of the ways in which our communities in Arkansas are connected globally and to engage in dialogue with other communities around the world so that we can learn about um, locally-based approaches to solve global problems. Great. Okay. So let's talk about the scope of this particular podcast. Uh, we want to communicate that, obviously, but there's there's more to it than that in our scope. Rogelio? Uh, well, I guess uh, you can argue that the main focus of Arkansas Global Changemakers is the student experience. So through the podcast and other initiatives that we have created uh, under the umbrella of Arkansas Global Changemakers, what we really want is to start a conversation to offer students the opportunity to uh, engage in social innovation practices, uh, social business development, acquire global awareness, intercultural competency, and expand their network and social capital formation opportunities. So uh, our objective through the podcast is precisely to create that uh, place where these discussions take place and uh, the uh, students are accessing uh, information and um, uh, ways of approaching these ideas uh, from the perspective of uh, people and activists and social entrepreneurs to whom they would normally have access to. Yesterday, Rogelio Garcia Contreras and Lawrence Hare, two of the hosts of Points of Departure, came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to discuss how they hope to connect people from around the world to discuss and work to solve challenges facing communities. And we're going places in this podcast all over the world, and so you need to bring your imagination with you. I agree with that. And there's also some sort of comfort or some sort of um, uh, North Star when you hear a familiar voice or when you touch on a familiar concept. I mean, I have to say that I always listen to Ozark at, la at large and, and just the tone of your voice and the uh, that reference takes me places. You know, like it, 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 it comes with a context. And I think... Uh, the opportunity of doing that with a broader audience and for them to bring their own contexts and and put it together with whatever it is that we're saying, that's the magic of the podcast, in my opinion. 
And thank you for saying that. That was very nice. Um, so we, we heard a bit before we started our conversation of an excerpt from the first, the sort of introductory podcast. I don't – I would think that your challenge over the next several episodes is how to narrow because you, you could talk a lot. You've got these initiatives. You've got these challenges. You've got these people you want to engage. Have you decided how you're going to move forward? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start by trying to capture the range of things that we're actually doing in the Arkansas Global Changemakers Program. So we're going to talk to, uh, well, we're going to talk to some of the faculty that we work with uh, that that do collaborations and and that do collaborations with um, countries on the other side of the world. We're going to talk to one of our programs in Rome that's running right now. Uh, And of course, we're going to talk to uh, students, Uh, the students who are participating in our projects working with local businesses, but also the students who have participated in some of the study abroad activities with us. And we also want to foster conversations between our community partners, right, Uh, whether local or international, and having them uh, talk about the same issues that they are tackling with the context of their particular local experience. And I think uh, by uh, us reaching out to them, having them in the uh, in the show for a couple of episodes to, to talk about con- um, problems that are common to, to them, um, I think there's, there's some magic in that process. And the the network of community partners that we have is 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 passed to to have uh, enough conversations on different topics you know the other thing is that as we as we move forward with this podcast in in um, especially in future seasons we're going to be really uh, g- getting down into the nitty gritty with specific communities we're going to we're going to get uh, let people get to know those cities and locales through the organizations that we work with so we'll be spending time in in places so rather than trying to cover everything we're going to be um, learning about uh, specific places could you give us a hint just like what one or two of those oh, might you be? want some spoilers <laughs> <laughs> well Barcelona for sure Barcelona is a social business city we have a long history of developing relationships with many companies there and some institutions so that's one one place that we are looking into Rome for sure mm-hmm. through the Rome Center of the University of Arkansas. They have been instrumental in creating uh, an Arkansas Global Change making, Makers uh, course there that uh, is uh, been very successful so far and have developed a very interesting network of organizations in Rome um, that are relevant to the experience in Northwest Arkansas. Um, so those are uh, two initiatives in Europe. We're developing one in Madrid. Uh, we also have a uh, potential partners in Chile, India, um, uh, Sub-Sahara Africa, there are um, Tanzania and other countries that are um, uh, there uh, in, 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 the, in the mix. Mm-hmm. How liberating can it be? You were talking about maybe connecting people halfway across the world from each other and they find out they have some of the same challenges or some of the same concerns or some of the same issues. How liberating can that be for the people connecting that, oh, here's someone two continents away, 12 time zones, and we can have this conversation about the same thing? I don't know if it's liberating. Oh. I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's liberating, but it certainly uh, 
provides uh, some reference to our common humanity and okay. the experience, mm-hmm. the common experience that that we have. I think many of the global challenges that we face today at a local level really are just local manifestations of similar problems. And to facilitate the communication about that problem, the way the, about the way the problem is perceived, the way the problem is interpreted and addressed, uh, is very enriching for 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 each of the parties that are uh, take, are part of the, of that conversation, taking part of that conversation. Because, in my opinion, what what really happens is some sort of um, awareness of the limitations that we have in exploring problems through a framework or, 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 or a lens that is really difficult to remove unless you challenge yourself to a different interpretation. And I think, to me, that's, that's the magic of Arkansas Global Changemakers and this effort. Just by virtue of that conversation, many of our limitations are revealed, and then the possibilities of how we interpret the uh, solution to these problems really you know, expand. I, I was going to use two two uh, adjectives that you sort of alluded to, not may, may, liberating maybe, but enlightening for sure. And then we're going to be able to see how the things that we're doing right here in our neighborhoods connects to global trends and global challenges. And then challenging is the other one in the sense that we have to um, we're, we're challenged to draw from those conversations solutions for ourselves and to see um, h- h- how the things that we're doing might help help our our community partners. A, a lot of these problems require uh, innovation that is truly what would be outside the box innovation and truly a, a completely new way of interpreting what the problem is and how the, the, the how success would look like. So um, the fact that we have resources perhaps to address or think that we are addressing many of these problems is not necessarily a guarantee that the problem will be addressed, right? And I think that is one of the major problems that we have had while developing solutions to these kind of challenges, thinking that with resource, with infrastructure, with um, uh, viable, sustainable businesses is, you know, the way in which we're going to be addressing. And yes, that's part of the formula. But I think to start with, we really need a, a shift in perspective. And this is something that we are also trying to do with Arkansas Global Changemakers, kind of shifting the way of uh, thinking about development, thinking about progress, where normally the non-Western civilization, right, the non-Western culture would have a space to say, we look at it this way. It's not, it's not only through the Western lens or the Western model that we can approach this. And even within the Western model, different perspectives on how to approach the similar problem and reach the way in which we could tackle it. I'm going to guess, I shouldn't guess, I'm going to ask, if, if Changemaker is in a title, a name, it suggests to me optimism, that there's got to be a basic element of optimism, because if you want to make change, you got to do it, and you got to have some sort of confidence that it can be done. Yeah, there's hope. 
It's it's a, it's a hopeful word, and and it's it's not a singular word. Where you say change makers plural, because we want we want our students and our partners to know that change does not happen. No no one person can do it on their own. It takes it takes a a, a group, a community, and we we believe, and and we're and by the way, we're at um, some level of peace with. Um, appreciating small levels of change, e- even if we don't radically uh, shift a paradigm or change the world, we're still doing good, right? Because we're we're making a contribution and we're training students to make a contribution. I think it's a it's optimistic in the sense that it's a call for action, and it's a call for action that is humble enough to recognize that my grain of sand can add up uh, in this overwhelming effort to you know make an impact on the things that are truly uh, imperative that we need to address uh, in our world today right uh, those problems seem overwhelming seem out of reach but maybe realizing that you as an individual have the agency to somehow procure that change foster it uh, contribute to the uh, initiatives that could potentially make a, a, an impact, that is, that is uh, the element that we want to emphasize in everyone that is uh, willing to listen to the, to the podcast and everyone that is involved with Arkansas Global Changemakers. Uh, because, yes, it's not about creating this, uh, you know, boiling the ocean or creating this, you know, wonderful impact that we can... It was going to make the news. No, no, no. It's about it's about uh, mm-hmm. systemic, everyday, yeah, constant. It's it's baked into the title of the podcast, right? We're looking for key starting points on meaningful change, a point of departure. So we mean that in the geographical sense, of course, that we're we're go- we're going to communities around the world and we're approaching big problems from that from that small space. But then those solutions were, were, are, are also an end point of the journey. And so that's another, metaphorically speaking, a point of departure. Lawrence Hare is an associate professor of history in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Arkansas. And Rogelio Garcia Contreras is a teaching assistant faculty at the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation in the Walton College of Business at the U of A. They are hosting along with KUAF General Manager Lee Wood, the podcast Points of Departure. The podcast, like the others KUAF produces, can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can learn more about Arkansas Global Changemakers at globalchangemakers.uark.edu. We have that link as well at ozarksatlarge.com. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, a premier Northwest Arkansas retirement community catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Offering a variety of amenities, including apartments, cottages, and village home living options. Information at butterfieldtrailvillage.org. This is Ozarks at Large. This week's entry into our series of University of Arkansas History lands close to home. Charlie Allison, the executive editor at University Relations at the U of A, selects student radio for his latest topic. At a little white frame building just south of the original engineering hall on campus, two students prepped the university's first radio station for a broadcast. It was January 1925 and the radio station had been broadcasting for almost a year, but the student station manager was not happy. It was a cold January day and inside the little building, 
with new drapes on the windows and a new carpet on the floor to help deaden sounds, all the station manager could think about was what he could hear that was worse than static. He listened to the rumbling, knocking clank-clank-clank of a steam radiator that was hissing and gurgling as it tried to warm the little KFMQ radio building. The station manager cursed the radiator. Three guests arrived to give talks as part of the evening's regular nightly show. Just before the show started, the radiator quit its protests. A student announcer stepped up to the microphone, welcomed listeners, offered a bit of university news, and introduced the first guest, President John C. Futrell. Futrell gave a talk titled, The Functions of a University. He was followed by the head of the Agricultural Extension Service, who told listeners about, quote, The University of the Air. One function of these radio broadcasts was to provide continuing education beyond the university's boundaries. As the third speaker and education professor took the mic to talk about what is science, President Futrell whispered his apologies to the radio staff, saying he wanted to hear some of the show at home. A few minutes after he left, the radiator began knocking and clanking again during the professor's lecture. The student manager cursed again, but this time his mild profanity went out across the nation. <laughs> Luckily for the student, President Futrell hadn't made it home yet, and it would be another decade before the Federal Communications Commission and its rules against using obscenity on the public airwaves were created. Over the years, student radio at the university operated under seven sets of call letters that I could find, although a couple of them may not have been officially sanctioned by the greater powers. The first university radio station went on the air in 1924 under the call letters KFMQ, it was operated by the College of Engineering, and early programming for the radio station was primarily supplied by the General Extension Division, and amounted to on-air instruction for adult education. But it also included smatterings of a wide variety of programming, from lecture to news to music. For instance, KFMQ, the voice of the Ozarks, held a fiddler's contest with ten applicants playing and listeners voting who was best. It grew over the years to dozens of performers. The station also staged a large debate about whether the child labor amendment should be passed by Congress. And then five university professors broadcast an educational series in the fall of 1925, wherein our cantankerous steam register made its entry. KFMQ changed its call letters to KUOA in February 1926, and the station planned its second fiddler's contest. The station also began broadcasting Razorback home games with student announcers, Johnny Porter being the earliest mentioned. Porter covered head coach Francis Schmidt and the Razorback football and basketball games. Schmidt is the person who popularized the phrase, I put my pants on like any other man, one leg at a time. One of the games was broadcast statewide, but due to the groundbreaking engineering work of another student, Loy Barton, KUOA's signal was soon boosted to the point that a Canadian amateur radio operator from Red Falls, Alberta, Canada, sent a note of thanks for a program he had heard. In fact, listeners from Puerto Rico and alumni in Alaska wrote to say they enjoyed hearing the nighttime U of A broadcasts. In 1933, the little white building in which the radio station was housed caught fire and burned. A temporary studio was set up at the Mountain Inn on the Fayetteville Square, but the university decided to sell the station to private interests who later sold the station to John Brown University. More than 20 years passed before a new effort was made to create a student radio station. Students in 1957 began KUA, a closed-circuit radio station that barely covered the university campus. 
It appears to have been a collaboration between the Student Union Radio Committee, the campus chapter of the Institute of Radio Engineers, and the Department of Speech and Communication under Professor Norman DeMarco. It appears to have lasted only a couple of years, although there were sporadic attempts to resurrect it, including a brief period in which another closed-circuit station called WHOG broadcast to various popular locations on campus, such as the Fine Arts Center and the Student Union. Another 15 years passed before students got serious about a full-fledged radio station. In April 1971, the Associated Student Government budgeted almost $5,500 for a new station. By the fall of 1972, students were on the verge of beginning broadcasting and even announced it in the student newspaper, only to realize that the FCC license approval had not quite arrived yet. <laughs> the station began broadcasting in January 1973 with Bruce Applegate as the student station manager and Dennis O'Neill as a faculty advisor. Jim Sutherland, who worked as a DJ and sports director in 1974, recalled that the station initially used a transmitter on top of a residence hall. He joked that the station's 10-watt power meant you could hear us all the way to West Fork. <laughs> KUAF studios were installed in a two-story house at the corner of Duncan Avenue and William Street. During the next dozen years, it developed a variety of shows that eschewed the popular genres of the day. Instead, the DJs played jazz, international music, folk, Blues, reggae, hard rock, soul, rhythm and blues, and classical sets. Anything not available on the commercial stations, which were nearly all rock and roll and country and western. When KUAF was converted to an affiliate of National Public Radio, students developed a new radio station dubbed KRFA, or Radio Free Arkansas. A station that did not broadcast in the traditional sense, but which could be heard on campus via cable and carrier current only. It went on cable in 1985 and disbanded about 1994. The next fall, KRZR was formed as a student organization, and its members, led by David Hine, began working with the Federal Communications Commission to get a new broadcast license for students. Sadiq Sadiq, a DJ at the station, said they were unsure how it would all work out. The need for funding, for a studio, for the FCC license, which was also being sought by a religious organization. Sadiq told the Razorback Yearbook, quote, One after another, it seemed like all the pieces of the puzzle fell into place. The call letters had to be changed to KXUA, but the license was granted. The radio station was promised space in the new east wing of the Arkansas Union. Cost of erecting an antenna and transmitter, as well as other necessary equipment, was about $25,000, but even that was eventually resolved. KXUA began broadcasting on April 1st, 2000, a new radio station for a new millennium. In the 2008 Razorback Yearbook, Antoinette Grajeda interviewed the station manager, Raymond Burks, about the station's mission. Burks told her, quote, Our goal is to be an eclectic radio station with a wide variety of music and program you won't hear anywhere else. And that has been KXUA's motto from the beginning and ever since. Just this past year, the radio station moved out of the Arkansas Union and into the new Candace Dixon Horn Radio Broadcast Center, right across the hall from all of the rest of the student media housed in Kimple Hall. Today, the station not only broadcasts on the airwaves, but it streams its music to the internet and creates podcasts of some of its shows. Like its predecessors, KXUA also organizes live concerts and records interviews with popular musicians. Now, I don't recall KXUA organizing a fiddler's competition, but I wouldn't put it past them either. Charlie Allison is the executive editor of University Relations at 
the University of Arkansas. Every week, he gives us glimpses into the history of the University of Arkansas as a commemoration of the school's 150th anniversary. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. Today, joined by David Sanders in the Nancy Blair Operations Studio. David is Executive Director of Ozark Ballet Theater. Good to see you again. Oh, happy to be here, Pete. How are you? Um, doing okay, doing okay. Great. Yes, so we are the only nonprofit ballet school uh, in the region. We offer class to everybody, uh, kids and adults. We have programming happening in Fayetteville, in Rogers, in Bentonville, in Centerton, and in Springdale okay. at the moment. Uh, we, so we do something for everybody. Um, and we are in the midst of uh, rehearsal for our very first major performance. It's uh, The Firebird from Stravinsky. We have hired 11 professional dancers alongside 27 of our, uh, of our advanced students. Uh, we'll be presenting the original choreography by Fokine. David says after the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, Ozark Ballet Theater reached out to Ukrainian dancers in the States to see what kind of help they might be able to provide. David says the response was instant. Uh, seven people um, immediately asked uh, for help. It turns out there's a tour. So they've been here since February 9th. Their tour is over April 9th. They're unable to go home. So the first person who reached out to come and join us in our show, um, you'll be able to see him dancing the role of Kachkai in The Firebird. After that, it kept on coming. So we now have five. Um, I was able to find jobs for, for two of the seven. What we need is just some help taking care of these guys. Um, they all have family back home in Ukraine. Uh, things are really rough for them. These are world-class athletes and artists, and... They don't have anywhere to be. So a huge way you can help, um, you can visit our Facebook, just Ozark Ballet Theater. Um, there's links there. You can also just come see our show. Um, and that show, again, it's May 7th and 8th at the Don Tyson School of Innovation. We have three performances. Um, I want listeners of KUAF 91.3 to know they can just type in the discount code KUAF 91.3 FM and receive 20% off tickets. Uh, we'll do 300 that way. Well, you, we can help you out and you can help us out. It's going to be a wonderful show. Uh, speaking with David Sanders, executive director of Ozark Ballet Theater. Okay, they've got the performance of the Firebird coming up. And also they're looking to help out five dancers here in the U.S. Um, who are kind of here. They can't go home. The war has begun. W what a neat thing that y'all are doing. Okay, somebody wants to know more, get the tickets, find out more about what y'all are doing with these dancers. What's the best way to get the information? www.ozarkballettheater.com. You can also just check us out on Facebook. You'll find links to everything there, and uh, we'll keep you updated on what we're up to. Always good to talk to you, man. Oh, good to talk to you, Pete. Thank you for having me. The Community Spotlight and KUAF, your voice matters. This is Ozarks at Large. This week, Michael McHale, a pianist who has featured on more than two dozen CDs, performs regularly with James Galway, and has collaborated with orchestras and festivals in Europe, Asia, and North America, will deliver two concerts in Fayetteville. Thursday night, he'll be at Butterfield Trail for a private concert. And Friday night, he'll help relaunch a concert series at Covenant Presbyterian Church with a free performance. Though the Thursday night concert is a private event, there is a limited opportunity for you to attend for free, more about that just a bit later. This week, Michael McHale came to the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF and sat down at the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway.
Michael McHale, who will perform twice this week in Fayetteville at the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway this week at the Carver Center for Public Radio. We'll hear another selection from Michael in just a moment. He came to KUAF with longtime friend Dave Thomas with the artist management firm ACM360, and they both sat down for a quick conversation. I asked how they met. Dave says their collaboration has a Fayetteville origin. His, um, his manager, Matt Zell, uh, who also manages Joshua Bell, who we work with in sales, uh, we coordinate sales for James Galway it was, uh, uh, when he was on tour. And uh, they tipped me off uh, out of New York, IMG, that there was this brilliant pianist that was touring with him, and you should go hear him. And I, I said, okay, I will. And I, I said, are you working with him? And he goes, no, but somebody needs to. So that's, uh, that's how it started. So you toured with James Galway? Yeah, yeah, I toured with him for, for years, yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Uh, he's a kind of a pretty inspiring guy and had a, such an incredible career. And uh, as, as you know yourself, having uh, interviewed him before, he's a lot of fun too. <laughs> yeah, he, at least, you know, in the 20 minutes that we spent together, didn't take himself too seriously. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He's about as down to earth as, as you get. <laughs> Tell the story about how you met. Yeah, so this is quite a funny one. So um, a good friend of mine from, from home, from Belfast, which is, of course, where, where um, James Galway's from as well. Um, he's, he was a flute player, and we played together in youth orchestra, and he knew James very well. And uh, it was just before Christmas one year, and uh, uh, James was playing the Mozart Flute and Harp Concerto with the London Symphony. And uh, just before that, he got asked at short notice to play a kind of radio promo for the concert and he happened to be out for lunch with my friend Gareth when the call came through and Gareth immediately said you have to use my friend Michael to play piano for you for this because it's only in a few days and you know short notice and so he said okay so um so Gareth immediately texted me and said you know um Jimmy always about to give you a call just see <laughs> be prepared and half an hour later I, I get a call on my mobile and it's um uh Hello, uh, this is James Galway here. Uh, I hear you play the piano. <laughs> and uh, so sure enough, I was, luckily I was free. My flight back to Ireland for Christmas was, was the day after, and I was still in London, which was great. So uh, I turned up at the BBC an hour beforehand. We were meant to have a kind of short rehearsal, play through the music, because they were bringing the music with them. And uh, unfortunately, their car didn't turn up at the hotel. So, um, so Jimmy and Jeannie then arrived at five minutes to five with a the live broadcast in front of 150 theater, radio theater audience in the BBC. Um, and we had time to ha play through half of one of the pieces. And then the producer came over and said, you have to stop because the red light's about to come on. <laughs> so luckily, uh, I had a good page turner because I didn't know what was on the next page. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and uh, so we played the first piece and that was fine. And then the presenter starts uh, interviewing uh, Jimmy. And um, while this is going on, a listener has heard it on the radio and uh, phones in the show and says... Oh, it's nearly Christmas, and last year on the BBC, around this time, I heard Michael McHale playing his own version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Is there any way he could play it today? 
So they so they come over to me and ask me if this is okay, and I said, yeah, sure. So the presenter then comes over after interviewing Jimmy and starts talking to me and says, we've had a call in from a listener wondering if you can play Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Galway is wondering what's going on. Who's this pianist who's now taking requests on my slot? On my slot, right. <laughs> so so I, I launch into it and start playing it, and then after about 32 bars, um, not to be outdone, Jimmy just joins in and then changes it into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, <laughs> which I then switch and start playing with them, all completely kind of ad-libbed, and uh, the audience are in stitches at this, <laughs> and uh, it was just one of these kind of bizarre uh, baptism of fire moments, uh, and it was just so much fun, and we've been kind of having fun playing together ever since. <laughs> Let me ask about the, the first selection you played for us, Memory of Love. This is a relatively new piece of music? Yeah, that's right. So um, it's uh, one of a set of five pieces entitled The Five Tales um, by a wonderful California composer, Cliff Eidelman, um, who I've worked with um, uh, several times. Uh, the first project we did together was his Symphony for Two Pianos and Orchestra, um, which we recorded in Abbey Road with the London Symphony um, a few years ago. And that turned out really well, and we just really enjoyed working together. And so Cliff suggested maybe I could record this this solo piano suite, uh, which we did in, in L.A., in 2019, luckily before the pandemic hit. And we were due to do a kind of little launch and um, performance, live performance in LA in March, 2020. And unfortunately it had to be canceled at short notice. Uh, so it's great now uh, being able to kind of perform again in public. And I'm gonna include um, a selection of, of these beautiful pieces in my concerts this week. Um, here in in Arkansas, uh, and this one, Memory of Love, is is particularly beautiful. It's it's um, all all of them are kind of inspired almost by a kind of journey through a magical forest, and this one almost is like uh, like a dream sequence. And you'll hear the the very last note of the piece almost is the being awoken from the dream. I wanted to ask about that last note because would you have a conversation with Cliff about just how much when to go to that last note or when not to? I mean, how much space is, Ab- is proper? Absolutely. And the, the great thing about about um, playing music by living composers is that you can ask them, you know, when we're playing, you know, Beethoven or Schubert or Rachmaninoff, <laughs> you know, it's 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 harder to, 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 to kind of, if there's something you're not sure about in the score, you have to just kind of make your own interpretive decision. So it's great when, when you get to work with the composer that you can you can ask these kind of questions and kind of collaborate a little bit and discuss, which is which is always fun. A couple of concerts while you're here in Northwest Arkansas, Thursday night and a Friday night. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to play some of my, my favorite music as well as, as, as some of Cliff's pieces uh, that we've just been talking about. I'm going to play uh, Mazorgsky's great, uh, uh, incredible solo piano suite, The Pictures and Exhibition. And um, to start the concert, I'm also going to play Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, which I recently recorded on an album that just came out in February this year. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be lots of lots of real kind of crowd-pleasing favorites. And maybe I'll throw in a few of my Irish arrangements as well. <laughs>
the first selection was Memory of Love. The second was an Irish arrangement. Yeah, that's right. This is a beautiful old Irish traditional air called uh, She Moves Through the Fair. And actually at our wedding um, in August 2019, my friend Gareth, who I mentioned, in- introduced me to James Galway. He performed this um, on the flute. And uh, yeah, it was very special. It was a beautiful, beautiful rendition here. Thank you. Thank you so much. The uh, Thursday night at Butterfield. Now, that's a private concert. But then the one that's Friday night uh, at, the, at the church, that's open and free? Open and free. Covenant Presbyterian Church on Weddington. And uh, it's part of their classical outreach series, which uh, is really a public service. And there's a series of concerts that have happened. They were, of course, stopped uh, during the COVID issues, but um, they're starting up again and quite a lineup of artists coming. And so it's going to be something to watch for. But uh, certainly this concert will be stunning. You're playing the concerts here. What else brought you to Northwest Arkansas? Well, um, I arrived here a couple of days ago uh, from California, and my wife, Laura, uh, luckily we got married in August 2019 before <laughs> all the weddings were cancelled as well as the concerts, so we were kind of quite quite glad that we, we got in before everything shut down. Um, but what, what uh, was lost was our honeymoon um, in May 2020. That had to be cancelled. Uh, so uh, Laura was on tour with, with the London Symphony, who she, she plays first violin for. And uh, I'd, I came out for the last five days of their trip in Santa Barbara, and then we took took a week down in Santa Monica and had a had a little mini honeymoon to replace great. the one that we missed. So that was uh, that was a, a great opportunity to get a, get a bit of vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for coming in. It's so wonderful to see you both again. Oh, likewise. Yeah, so great to be back. Thanks a million. <laughs> Michael McHale and Dave Thomas in the Furman Garner Performance Studio this week. Michael's going to perform twice in Fayetteville, tomorrow night at a private concert in the Butterfield Trail Village Performance Hall, Friday night at Covenant Presbyterian Church on West Weddington. Friday night's concert is free, begins at 7. And though Thursday night's concert is private, the first 10 requests sent to rstamps at btvillage.org will be able to attend. Again, that email address is rstamps at btvillage.org. You can find out more about Michael McHale at michaelmchale.com. Timothy Dennis engineered our session, recorded in the Furman Garner Performance Studio this week. Historic Cane Hill hosts the Smithsonian Exhibition Habitat, opening Saturday, April 16th at 10 a.m. This free outdoor experience features exhibits and sculptures throughout the campus, each exploring how protecting habitats protects life within the Ozark landscape. Historic CaneHillAR.org for more information. The 46th annual Hogeye Marathon is the weekend of April 9th and 10th in downtown Springdale. This full and half marathon, 5K, and 10K run, plus four person marathon relay, will benefit several local charities. Finisher medals will be awarded. Registration deadline is April 7th. HogEyeMarathon.com for more information. Joey Alexander, a three-time Grammy-nominated jazz pianist, is returning to Northwest Arkansas for a concert tomorrow night at Walton Art Center. He first played here five years ago. Not a remarkable sentence until you consider Joey is just now 18, and when he played at Crystal Bridges five years ago, he shared the bill with legendary pianist Ellis Marsalis. 
He's already performed live at the Grammys and at the White House. And he recently told Robert Ginsburg, host of KUAF's Shades of Jazz, his concert tomorrow night at Walton Art Center will include music from his next CD, Origins, due in May. Yes, absolutely. To touch base on Origin, the reason I named Origins from the Latin world, which means two eyes. That's kind of my, really, what I, why I named it Origin. You know, because I wrote it during the the peak of the pandemic. So, you know, we really in that time of frustration. So really that message really still, you know, we have to be hopeful. There's a beautiful quote I read. You you said, turning frustration into opportunity, <laughs> which yeah. is, a, is a, a beautiful sentiment. So I think this album is always well, more focusing on the present but also remembering as I look back and also being thankful for the things that has been stored for me, you know, being able to perform with, you know, living legends and getting to meet them, you know, such as, you know, Alice, Chikoria and many other names, of course, who are very important in my musical journey. Something unique about this recording as well, Joey, is the fact that it's all of your compositions, isn't that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which I'm really proud of to be presenting my own you know, original work and to be sharing my original music with, with you all in Arkansas. So I'm really looking forward to be back again. Yeah, this theme of rising continues to uh, have significance as you talk about you know this is you've signed with a new record label it's um it's spring i right before we we started talking i was listening to promise of spring which is a beautiful beautiful work one of the compositions off of the new recording That was the new single from the yet-to-be-released recording by Joey Alexander. The CD is called Origin. It'll be out May 20th. The tune that we just heard, the single, was Promise of Spring. Now back to our conversation with Joey Alexander. You're composing more, and you've released this work of originals. Yeah, I think I find my own voice as I compose more music, and this album really... You know, how I see myself as a composer and I want to continue to be you know, composing more music. That to me, you know, when people feel touched by after hearing my music, that to me is, is a joy. <laughs> in, in that regard, my understanding of how you even came into the music, you're largely a self-taught musician without <laughs> really a lot of formal training. Is that fair to say? Yes. And... Um, there was music in the house and, you know, my dad would call musicians to come by to our house and, you know, they would show me tunes towards the understanding of what you do and what you play and that stuck with me until this day. 
Have you ever had any desire to delve deeper into the components of theory and composing in a formal setting? I mean, you, what you have done has served you very well and served us all very well. You know, as time passes, I, I think listening has always been like the first place and listening to musicians playing live, which really was the place for me to really be inspired by. You know, the music that we call jazz is such a music full of, you know, dialogues. I think the understanding of, again, what you do and what you play, the reason behind is really significant to me. You know, on top of, you know, knowing the all those aspects in music, you know, music theory and knowing the signatures time and, you know, what's around you. For me, always about honesty and really understanding of what's surrounding you and how you're aware of the other musician they are playing with you. And that to me is always the key point, you know, as a leader, you know, and how you can build that group sound. So yeah, I think that to me is really my concept. Joey Alexander performing one of his original compositions entitled Downtime. Back to our interview with Joey. I, I play your music on my show regularly. Oh, but thank you so much. It's not I the same, it. though. It's not the same as having people in the room with you. Mm. And you're, yeah. it, I know you feel this. I know it's part of what happens when you're on stage. But you're also accomplished now as a recording artist. And... Is there any way to bring that to the recording? Yeah, I mean, you've said it, everything. And yeah, live music gives, you know, great experience, at least in my viewpoint, or us, every, every one of us as musicians would tell you the same. That being in the live setting is always the best way to enjoy music. But I think for us, we can create that energy even when there is no audience, even in the recording studio. Well, it does feel very different. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it can be both. But definitely live is always, for us in jazz, is always the best way to enjoy. Joy Alexander will perform tomorrow night at Walton Art Center as part of the 10 by 10 series. You can learn more at waltonartcenter.org. He talked with Robert Ginsburg, host of Shades of Jazz on KUAF. The Arkansas International and the University of Arkansas Program in Creative Writing and Translation present Walton Distinguished Visiting Writer, acclaimed poet Maggie Smith, author of Good Bones and Keep Moving, to the Fayetteville Public Library on April 14th at 7 p.m. This event is free, but registration is required at faylib.org forward slash events. Support for KUAF comes from Malco Theaters, offering reserved seating at the Rogers Cinema Grill, Springdale Cinema Grill, and Razorback Cinema Grill and IMAX Theater in Fayetteville. 
Showtimes, tickets, and more information available at malco.com or the Malco app. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Eureka Springs. Timothy Dennis produced today's show inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Charlie Allison and Robert Ginsburg. You can hear Shades of Jazz with Robert Friday nights at 10 on KUAF, Saturday mornings at 11 on KUAF 3. Points of Departure is produced by Lee Wood, and the Community Spotlight is produced by Pete Hartman inside the Nancy Blair Operations Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Our theme is titled First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. KUAF's Community Engagement Officer is Jasper Logan. We will be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 for a brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. You can always find us online at ozarksatlarge.com. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk again very soon.